Good evening, everybody. Let's all stand together. We're going to lift up our voices as we sing. Great and mighty is the Lord our God, beginning with a chorus, then going right into a good old hymn at the cross. Great and mighty is the Lord our God. Great and mighty is He. Great and mighty is the Lord our God. Great and mighty is He. Lift up your banner, let the anthems ring. Praises to our King. Great and mighty is the Lord our God. Great and mighty is He. And great and mighty is the Lord our God. Great and mighty is He. Great and mighty is the Lord our God. Great and mighty is He. Lift up your banner, let the anthems ring. Praises to our King. Great and mighty is the Lord our God. Great and mighty is He. Alas, and did my Savior bleed, and did my Sovereign die? Would He devote that sacred head for such a worm as I? And at the cross, at the cross, where I first saw the light, and the burden of my heart rolled away. It was there by faith I received my sight, and now I am happy all the day. Was it for crimes that I have done? He groaned upon the tree. Amazing pity, grace unknown, and love beyond degree. At the cross, at the cross, where I first saw the light, the burden of my heart rolled away. It was there by faith I received my sight, and now I am happy all the day. But drops of grief can ne'er repay the debt of love I owe. Here, Lord, I give myself away. Tis all that I can do. The cross at the cross where I first saw the light, and the burden of my heart rolled away. It was there by faith I received my sight, and now I am happy all the day. Amen. It is good to see each of you in the Lord's house tonight. Great turnout. For our Monday night revival. How many of you had spaghetti dinner tonight here at the church? It was a great dinner. Man, the folks came, volunteered, cooked through the afternoon, got that all squared away. And that is a true blessing. Amen? You made it so you could go from your job or whatever you had to do today. You could come have dinner, come to revival. It's perfect. Tomorrow night, pancakes. Now, half of them are going to be blueberry, and half of them are going to be regular. And then to top the whole thing off, we're going to have sausage links. Wow. Man. All right. So make, but actually, the best part of the whole deal is we have Carter's Real. Now, listen. 
When you buy in Vermont maple syrup, you want to make sure it's that organic kind. It comes from all natural trees, real Vermont dirt, water sucked up and filtered through the sand, all organic maple syrup tomorrow night. Yeah, I like Miss Butterworths. Uh-oh, don't stone him, don't stone You were popular. Let's go ahead and have a word of prayer. We'll open up our service tonight. Lord in heaven, we thank you so much for your many blessings to us. And Lord, we thank you for each person that's come out this evening to sit under the preaching of your word, to sing praises to you, Lord. And I ask that it would be your Holy Spirit that ministers to each one of our hearts. We thank you and praise you. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Amen. Please be seated. Let's continue in singing this evening one of our praise songs, Jesus Saves. Man, we're thankful for the souls that have been saved, and we're praying for more to trust Christ as their Savior tonight. Let's lift up our voices as we sing, Jesus Saves. Hear the heart of heaven beating, Jesus Saves, Jesus Saves. And the hush of mercy breathing, Jesus Saves, Jesus Saves. Hear the host of angels sing glory to the newborn king and the sounding joy repeating Jesus saves. See the humblest hearts adore him. Jesus saves, Jesus saves, and the wisest bow before him. Jesus saves, Jesus saves, see the sky alive with praise, melting darkness in its blaze, there is life forevermore, Jesus saves, he will live our sorrow sharing, Jesus saves, Jesus saves, he will die our
When we were organizing our revival services, I told Brother John, I said, now we need to go ahead and make sure we have just the right amount of songs because we don't want to take too much of Brother Kent York's time because mm -hmm. his time is valuable as he comes up in the preach. So I'm not going to take a lot of time to introduce you. We're going to bring him straight up here. Thank you, Brother Tim. Hey, God bless you. Well, you're glad to be here tonight. Say amen. amen. We're so glad you came tonight. And uh, this is Monday night. And if you're taking the revival challenge to be here for all five of my messages, we've only got two more to go. Tomorrow and Wednesday night and this meeting will be over. Now, some of you young people back there, you won't even know what I'm talking about tonight. But you older folks, you will remember there was a day when there was things in church we couldn't do. Do y'all remember things we couldn't do in church? Number one, we weren't allowed to chew gum in church. Oh, you chew gum, your mama would slap your head right off. Now people blow bubbles while I'm preaching. Uh -huh. I remember we were not allowed to get up and go to the bathroom during church. Oh, if you got out in the aisle and went back to the bathroom, you signed your death certificate right then. Your daddy would meet you at the garden gate, buddy. You were in trouble. And there was a third one. I don't know if you were raised the way I was raised. But we were never allowed to look backwards in church. You always had to keep your head going forward. Don't ever look back. The back of the building could be on fire and you could not turn around and look. And tonight I'm going to let you do that. I want you to set up on your pew just a little bit. I want you to crook your neck around and see who's not here tonight. Look around. Look around and see who's not here tonight. Can you see somebody that's not here? Now, uh, there's some people in the nursery. Who's in the nursery tonight? Hannah? Anybody else? I don't think of Hannah. She's back there wiping a nasty hiney right now. She's serving the Lord back there. Don't think of Hannah. But I want you to get one person in your mind that's not here tonight. They're not here. And what I want you to do, by 5 o'clock tomorrow afternoon, I want you to call them up. By 5 o'clock. You say, what would I say? I'll tell you exactly what to say. As soon as they answer the phone, I want you to go, Hey! We missed you at the revival last night. And I want you to have my permission to say this. And that little fat evangelist is looking for you. <laughs> and the first thing they'll say is, he's looking for me. And you say, yes, he missed you at the revival last night. And then you tell them to come at 5.30. We're having pancakes. And then the service at 6.30. One person. Now, we're going to go one step further. I'm going to ask you to make a promise in church. Now, I've heard people go, well, Brother Kent, I don't like to make promises in church. Well, did you ever get married? That was a pretty big one, wasn't it? Huh? <laughs> yeah, you can make promises in church. I'm going to ask you to put your hand up, Brother Kent. I will do my very best by 5 o'clock tomorrow afternoon. I will do my very best to contact 
one person. And you're going to put your hand up if you're willing to do that. If you're willing to help me, put your hand up. Now, I like that enthusiasm. Thank you, sir. But I know how you Baptists operate. Put them down. There's a couple of you that are just like, I'm just going to put my hand up and just shut him up. You know what the Bible says? The Bible says liars will be friars. Mm -hmm. So don't lie. And let me just say this. It would only take you about 30 seconds to make that call. You could do it on the way out to your car after the service. Don't do it while I'm preaching. Uh-huh. <laughs> In fact, nobody knows you're in church tonight. Reach down right now and turn that cell phone on silent because they'll call you in the middle of my message and they don't know you're in church. You can do it face to face tomorrow, but it'll just take 30 to 60 seconds to call someone and invite them to the revival tomorrow night. Now, if you're, if you're just overbearing hateful, I'm not calling anybody. I don't care what he says. Well, then you just leave your old stinking hand down. But if you say, I believe in what we're doing at Victory Baptist Church. I believe in revival. And I can spend one minute calling someone. I didn't say you had to bring them. All you got to do is call them and invite them. Tell them we missed them. And do it before 5 o'clock. All right, get ready. Bow your heads. Get under conviction a little bit. Some of you don't look convicted at all. All right, look back up here. One, we're going to do it on the count of three. One, don't lie. Two, come on, we can all do this. We can do it. And when you put it up, put it all the way up and leave it up. All right, are we ready? We're going to do it on three. Hold on just a minute. We're going to do it on three. Three, put them up. That's good. Get them up, get them up, get them up. Oh, I'm looking. Oh, we got great participation here. Great We're going to need two more. Hold on. We're going to need two more. I need one more in this section over here. Who's going to have? Oh, thank you, Rachel. All right. We need, uh, we need, uh, or that was Erica, wasn't it? Thank you, Erica. I need, let's see. I think over here's 100% participation. Here we go. We're going to need one more over here. Who's going to help me? Blood's running down the arms of little old ladies. They will pass out. Okay, sir, you're going to call too? Thank you very much. All right. Now, make those phone calls. Tell them pancakes at 530, service at 630, and we're going to have a great night tomorrow night. Well, Julie's going to come and sing one just before I preach. And uh, But you know, some nights I have singing me. Come on up, Julie. Come over here. You can tell by the look on her face. She loves to sing with me. Now see, Julie's a first child. Do any, are any of you the first child? You're the one the parents beat the tar out of. Uh, so you're organized. She's organized. If she sings something, she practices it. Me, I'm the fourth child. I just... Fought the dog for the bottle in the floor, all right? And uh, I have no clue what I'm going to sing right now, but uh, something will come to me, and you watch. Julie will make me sound good. She'll make me sound good. How about this oldie but goodie? I was in sin's prison, oh, so dark and cold. Just a lost sheep wandering from God's eternal fold. 
Then the door swung open. Jesus spoke to me. I have signed your pardon. You may now go free. Jesus signed my pardon. Yes, he surely did. On the cross of Calvary. So I wouldn't have to go. All my life I'll give him. He gave his for me. When he signed my pardon. There at Calvary. Don't encourage me, please. <laughs> I got saved when I was 14 years old. I was a 14-year-old boy. And I'm going to tell you very honestly, from that day to this, I got up on God's road and I stayed there. And I was never perfect, never have been perfect, never will be perfect. But I've never gone down in the ditch and I've never got off God's road. I stayed on it when I was up and when I was down, I stayed on God's road. And they wrote a song about that and I love it. It's called, I Set My Feet on God's Road. I set my feet on God's road and I'm never gonna turn around. I set my feet on God's road. I'm headed for a higher ground. 10,000 bows may surround me to turn me from the right. But God's strong arms are around me, his arms of love and might. I set my feet on God's road and I'm never gonna turn around. I set my feet on God's road, I'm headed for a higher ground. I'm headed for a higher ground. Amen. Start clapping, this could be a concert. <laughs> now, Julie's going to sing a song right now just before I preach. And uh, uh, it's, it's a beautiful song and it's called Because of Him, Because of You, Because of You. And it talks about how that Jesus Christ, because of Him, we have salvation. Because of Him, we can share the gospel with others. And you listen as she sings because of him. Spend my life telling about your faithfulness because of you. I see a new horizon because of you. 
All my fears grow quiet And I know you hold the whole world in your hands This life is worthwhile How because of you From the moment I rise till I lay my head, Lord, you are on my mind. You are the best part of every breath. I will spend my life telling about your faithfulness because of you. I see a new horizon because of you. All my fears grow quiet, and I know you have the whole world in your hands, and life is worthwhile. All because of you You're the color of every sunrise You're the songs that the birds love to sing You're the brilliance in all of creation You're everything to me You're the words made flesh here among us You're a savior for sinners like me You're fulfillment of every promise You're everything to me Lord, you are everything to me everything to me you're the color of every sunrise you're the song that the birds love to sing you're the brilliance in all of creation you're
until I lay my head You are on my mind You are the best part of every breath I will spend my life telling about your faithfulness Because of you I see a new horizon Because of you This life is worth living Because of you Amen Open your Bibles again tonight to the book of Luke, if you would. Luke, chapter number 8. Luke, chapter number 8. Go down and find verse number 5 tonight. Luke, chapter 8, verse number 5. As soon as you find your place in God's Word, let's stand and we'll honor the Bible as we read it tonight by standing that book in your hand tonight is the number one best-selling book in all of history. Did you know that? You say, Brother Ken, it was not on the New York Times bestseller list last week. They took it off the New York Times bestseller list years ago. You know why? Because they sell more Bibles in a month than all the other books put together. It is the greatest book that has ever been printed. And I believe it contains the Word of God. Luke chapter 8, we're going to begin in verse 5. And when I'm done reading, I'm going to invite anyone that would like to to come down to the altar and join me. We do this in every service because I believe prayer is the key to a great revival. You see, we can build a beautiful building like this and we can have spaghetti and garlic toast and we can bring in an evangelist and a singer, but we cannot have revival. Until he gets involved. And the way we get him involved is through prayer down on our knees. And so I'll invite anyone that would like to, to come and join me around the altar right after we read this passage. Now there will be someone that will say, Brother Kent, I'm just not comfortable coming down there and praying with you. Well, if you're not, that's fine. You can be seated. Or if you're physically unable, we understand. Luke chapter 8, verse the Bible says a sower went out to sow his seed. And as he sowed, some fell by the wayside. And it was trodden down. And the fowls of the air, the fowls of the air devoured it. And some fell upon a rock. And as soon as it was sprung up, it withered away because it lacked moisture. And some fell among thorns, and the thorns sprang up with it and choked it. And other fell on good ground 
and sprang up and bare fruit a hundredfold. And when he had said these things, he cried, He that hath ears to hear, let him hear. And his disciples asked him, saying, What might this parable be? And he said, Unto you it is given to know the mysteries of the kingdom of God, but to others in parables, that seeing they might not see, and hearing they might not understand. Now, the parable is this. The seed is the word of God. Those by the wayside are they that hear. Then cometh the devil and taketh away the word out of their hearts, lest they should believe and be saved. I invite anyone who would like to come down and join me at the altar. We're going to pray. And uh, the remainder, you can be seated, but you're welcome to come down. Amen. Come on and pray with me. The remainder, you can be seated, please. Amen. Thank you. Thank you. Oh, dear God, we come to you tonight. and Oh, we've already had a wonderful time in your house. Thank you for that great meal. And thank you for the hands that prepared it. Bless them. Lord, we've enjoyed the music and singing together. But tonight we've opened your word and we want to hear from you. My prayer tonight is for revival. I'm praying for a Christian. That has never ever won anyone to Jesus Christ. A Christian that is not even attempted. To share the truth of Jesus. Oh I pray tonight you would ignite a fire in their heart. That would last the rest of their life. And they would learn the joy. Of being a soul winner. Heavenly Father, we give you the next few moments. You take them. You bless them. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. Thank you for praying down here with me. Thank you. I'll tell you, when everybody starts getting up down here, it sounds like a chiropractor convention. <laughs> Bones clicking everywhere. But I appreciate them coming down.
Tonight we see a parable of Jesus. You know what a parable is? A parable is an earthly story, but it most definitely has a heavenly meaning. Jesus was a storyteller. And he told stories so that we could better understand the truths of the kingdom of God. Now, many of you know, you've said under my preaching, I love to tell stories. I had a preacher the other day trying to hurt my feelings, I think, because he goes, Brother Kent, you're a skyscraper preacher. And I said, well, thank you. What does that mean? He said, your story on top of story on top of story. I think he was trying to hurt my feelings, but I didn't take offense because Jesus was a storyteller too. And this story is the story of the sower. And the greatest truth that I've learned in my Christian life is once you get saved and once you get baptized and once you start growing in Jesus Christ, the next step in your life is learning to scatter the seed. Brother Tim, I noticed when I was a pastor for 18 years, we'd have someone come and get saved, and oh, they're so glad they got saved. But on Wednesday night when we would have prayer meeting, they'd hold up their hand and they would say, pray for me, pray for my family, pray for my wife. It was always about them. Every week, week after week, pray for me. And then one Wednesday night, they'd come in and go, Brother Ken, Pray for a guy I work with. I've been talking to him about the Lord. And when you hear that, you go, yeah. He took that step. And he got his eyes off himself. And he got it on lost people. And he started scattering the seed. Well, in this story tonight, it quickly divides into four words. Did you see it? First, we have the seed. And of course, Jesus Christ explains this parable to us. And he tells us that the seed is the word of God. Then we have the sower. This is anyone that's intent on sharing the gospel. You become a sower of the word of God. And then thirdly, there's the word soil. And he tells us all the different kinds of soil. And, you know, even tonight, I have thought many times, I could stop right here and bring a wonderful message on the different kinds of soil. But then there's a fourth word. And it's the word Satan is in this story. Satan is in the background all the time. And what is he wanting to do? He wants to take away the seed. You share the seed. And Satan is always there. Hoping he can take it away. But I want you to notice. Satan's greatest fear. <laughs> Is that some of that seed goes into the good ground and that person gets saved. And if I was Satan, I would have to say my number one goal would be to try to take 
the seed out of your hands. When I was a boy, I was a preacher's kid. You can't tell. You know preacher's kids are the honoriest kids in church. Mm -hmm. That's because we play with the deacon's kids. Mm -hmm. But I have to be very frank that when I was a kid, spank day was usually every Sunday and every Wednesday night. I got a spanking every Sunday and every Wednesday. Now, my daddy was a belt whipper. He used to whip us with his belt. And some of you are like, oh, no, brother Kit. You were an abused child. No, I wasn't an abused child. I was a disciplined child. And let me tell some of you young parents, you can believe these idiot pediatrician book writers or you can believe the word of God. And if you pat a kid on the back long enough, low enough, and hard enough, it will do some good. You know what I mean? Apply the board of education to the seat of knowledge. <laughs> I was a disciplined kid, but I hate to say it, I was honorary in church every Sunday, and I was honorary every Wednesday night. And one Wednesday night, I got in a fight with a, in the parking lot with a bunch of boys. We'd, we'd clipped off some limbs off some of the bushes of the church, and we were out there having a bush fight. And uh, my dad walked out there and saw me, and he said, Kit, you go straight home. We live next door to the church. You go straight home. You're getting a whipping as soon as I get over there. And boy, I went over to the house and I thought, man, he's going to give me a whipping. So my three brothers were sitting there and I said, every one of you take your belts off. So I took off the belts of all my brothers. I went in dad's closet. I gathered all of his belts. I went in mom's closet. She even had those little paper belts that went with the dress, you know. And I gathered all of her little belts and I hid every belt in the house under my bed. And then I sat on the couch and waited for my dad. I thought, you ain't going to whip me tonight. There ain't a belt in this house. <laughs> but you know what? I forgot about one belt. Uh -huh. The one he was holding his pants up with. And he whipped that baby out. You know, I just thought if I could take the belt out of his hand, I wouldn't get a whipping. And you know, the devil's got the same attitude. If I can take the seed out of your hand, nobody will ever get saved. And tonight, I want to look at ways that Satan loves to take the seed out of your hand. The first thing that Satan loves to use is the word intimidation. Intimidation. David Samuels wrote an article in the New York Times, and of course... The New York Times is the greatest newspaper ever. And if you don't believe that, just ask them. They'll tell you. Mm -hmm. He wrote an article in the New York Times. And this is what David Samuels said. It is a settled premise of those of us in the world that absolutes do not exist. And anyone who thinks they do is crazy. You know what he's saying? There is no moral absolutes in this world today. 
And when a man of God or a child of God stands up on their hind leg and says, I believe the word of God. I believe thou shall not kill. Thou shall not steal. Thou shall not commit adultery. Honor thy father and thy mother and all the word of God. When you stand up and teach and preach the truth of the word of God, you're crazy. Because there are no absolutes in our world. Bill Maher, the supposed comedian, he said, faith is the purposeful suspension of critical thinking. Mm -hmm. You're not a critical thinker if you've got faith in Jesus. Stephen... Hawkins, who was supposed to have been a genius, he said a believer in God is someone who is afraid of the dark. You see, we live in a world today where Satan wants to tell you that every time you open your mouth to tell someone about Jesus Christ, Satan tells you you're stupid, you're narrow minded, you're unloving. And he intimidates you to shut up your mouth. But I'm going to tell you right now, we still need people of God that have got the courage to stand up and say, I don't care what Satan says. I don't care what the world says. I don't care if it hair lips the governor. I'm going to stand up and tell people the absolutes of the word of God. I preach a lot of revivals in California. And one year we were in Southern California in Los Angeles. And my meetings, of course, run Sunday to Wednesday. And then we have Thursday and Friday. And we start another one on Sunday, the next Sunday. So we have three days off. And... Uh, I was preaching a meeting in Redondo Beach, California, and my next meeting was up in the Simi Valley. So I had two or three days and we traveled in a big motor coach and had my daughter with me at that time. She was our youngest. And uh, I always try to find something to do on Thursday and Friday and Saturday. Well, when you're out in Hollywood, you can go online and get free tickets to go watch uh, uh, TV shows and things you can uh, there's no charge and uh, at that time there was a writer's strike and none of the shows were on there was only two shows you could go see and one was Jeopardy with Alex Trubeck and the other one was uh, The Wheel of Fortune with Pat Sajak and Vanna White and so the first week we were there on, on Friday we went down to a Sony Picture Studio and uh, we were led into the Sony Picture Studio to go to the Jeopardy game with Alex Trebek. And as we're walking in there, they're telling us, now listen, folks, during the breaks in the show, Alex likes to come and take questions from the audience. But uh, we will add, tell you that Alex kind of has a Don Rickles type personality. If you ask a stupid question, Alex will make fun of you and everybody will laugh at you. And if that's going to hurt your feelings, you're better off not to ask him a question. Because he's very intelligent. 
Another thing, you cannot ask any personal questions. Don't ask him anything personal or you'll be asked to leave the studio. And so we went into the studio. We're on about the third row. And um, uh, I don't know if you know, but they shoot all five shows in one day. They shoot three in the morning and two in the afternoon. They go back and change clothes and then they come out and go, it's Tuesday. And it's not really Tuesday. It's Friday. All right. And it's Friday all day. But anyway, they shoot the whole week in one day. And so sure enough, during those first couple of shows, uh, people ask stupid questions. Do you ever say the same question twice? And he had an answer for that. And uh, we got to the third show and he walked down to a little rail and I'm on the third row and, uh, and my hand went up. And Julie looked at me like, no, don't do it. And he said, yes, sir, what's your question? I said, Alex, I notice y'all have a lot of questions on Jeopardy about the Bible. Even sometimes you quote the Bible, Alex. Alex, are you a student of the Bible? Are you a believer? Oh, it sucked all the oxygen out of that big old studio. <laughs> a security guard come down and stood right beside me. I was on the aisle. Julie said, I thought you were gone right then. <laughs> and Alex at that time had a mustache and a goatee and... He just looked at me. He climbed up in his Alex Trubeck director chair. Everybody in that studio, all the cameramen turned around to see who was asking this question. Those judges down front, they all looking at me. You could hear a pin drop in that soundstage. And Alex said, I was raised a Catholic in Canada. And I have a lot of born-again friends, but I would not say I'm born again. In fact, I believe that religion is going to lead a lot of people to hell. And I said, Alex, I agree with you completely. It's not religion. It's the question that Larry King was asked one night on the Larry King show. Now, this just came to me, Brother Tim. I'm trying to relate to a showbiz person. And he goes, well, what question was Larry King asked on his show? I said, one night Larry King was asked this question. Larry, if you could interview God and ask him one question, what would you ask God? And Alex goes, well, what did, what did Larry King say? I said, Larry King said this. If I could interview God and ask one question. I would ask him, do you have a son? And if you do, was his name Jesus? I said, Alex, that's what's important. Not religion, but do you know Jesus Christ? And he had his cards in his hand and he said, well, <laughs> I got to get back to the show. And so he went back up to his little podium. He went right through those questions again. Soon as the director said cut, he turned and come straight at me. He said, let me tell you why I can't agree with the Bible. I can't believe that the earth is five or six thousand years old. We've got, I said, oh, Alex, you 
don't believe that carbon dating. They've proven that it was incorrect. And in Glen Rose, Texas, there's a dinosaur's footprint with a man's footprint in the middle of it. How did a man and a dinosaur get in the same fossil? And he goes, well, uh, uh, I got to get back to the show. And he got back up there and, he, and here he come at me again. Now it was not questions from the audience. It was a rolling debate between Kent York and Alex Trubeck. And then the craziest thing happened. The audience turned on Alex Trubeck. A man up here said, Alex, I agree with him. He makes more sense than you do. The guy in front of me goes, sir, I agree with you too. The whole crowd turned on Alex Trubeck. And the last time he came at me, this is what he said. He said, well, I'm glad we live in a country that if I don't agree with you, you're not going to pull out a gun and kill me. And if you don't agree with me, you're not going to quit watching my show. That's what he said. And I said, oh, Alex, we love you. But I got to tell you, I've got an 85-year-old mother at home and she watches you every night. And she's going to be really disappointed when I tell her about this conversation. And the whole audience bust out laughing and the crew. And that was it. It was over for the day. Well, the next week, we got tickets to go to the Wheel of Fortune. <laughs> now, they don't take questions at the Wheel of Fortune. But we were sitting there way up in the top up there. And they were having a drawing, giving us tickets. It's the same cameraman, it's the same director, it's the same security guards. They both work for the same company. And the security guard walks down and goes, you're that Baptist preacher from Jeopardy last week. And I'm like, yeah. He bent down and he goes, that was so cool. <laughs> He said, I got this job at church. That guy right over there, I went to his church and he told me there was an opening. I've been here three years. He goes, do you know that we have a Bible study and prayer meeting every morning on the set of Jeopardy and on the set of the Wheel of Fortune? He said, I wish you could have been there the next morning when we walked into prayer meeting because everybody said, yeah, that preacher nailed Alex Trebek yesterday. And he said, not any of us had the courage to talk to him about the Lord. He's so intimidating because he's so intelligent. But now we know he's lost and we're praying for his salvation. And I don't know if you saw when Alex got cancer and was near death, <coughs> he put out a video and I noticed very clearly he thanked people for praying for him. And he said, I'm in God's hands. And my hope and prayer is that Alex got saved before he died of cancer. But you know what? Sometimes you're going to get in a position like that and you've got a character that's intimidating or you're at the office and they intimidate you. You just got to stand up and hold your ground and tell them the truth of the word of God. Satan loves to intimidate you. And then... Satan loves to use what I call observation. Flipping your Bibles over to the book of Ecclesiastes chapter 11. 
Ecclesiastes chapter number 11. Go down and look at verse 4, 5, and 6. Ecclesiastes chapter 11. They're going to put it on the screen. Look at verse number 4. It says, He that observeth the wind shall not sow, and he that regardeth the clouds shall not reap. Now look at verse 5. It says, As thou knowest not what is the way of the Spirit, nor how the bones do grow in the womb of her that is with child, even so thou knowest not the works of God who maketh all. And verse 6, what does that say? In the morning sow thy seed, and in the evening withhold not thy hand, for thou knowest not whether shall prosper either this or that, or whether they both shall be alike good. I know we got some farmers in the church tonight. And you know, farmers, you've got to go out and plant your crop when it's time. If you say, oh, the wind's blowing, I don't want to do it today. You'll never have a crop. You've got to go out there. I live in Oklahoma. The wind blows all the time. And if you're a wheat farmer, you just got to go out there and plant that seed. You cannot look at the clouds. You cannot look at the winds. Because God is the one that determines if it will work or if it won't work. You see, your job is not to be an observer. Your job is not to be an evaluator. Your job is to be a sower. And what we're all guilty of is we've got friends, you've got family, and you know they're lost, and you know they need Jesus, but you have never talked to them about Christ because you have already played a scenario in your brain that if I would tell them about Jesus, they'll get mad at me. It'll upset them. It's not your job to determine that. It's your job just to scatter the seed. Let the Holy Spirit of God take and use it in their heart. Several years ago, I was doing a men's retreat in Ohio for Kelly McInerney in Wilmington, Ohio. And I was going to start on Thursday night and go through Sunday. And I flew into Ohio, but I didn't schedule anything on Wednesday night. And that morning, Brother Danny Lamb down in Hillsboro, Ohio, called me and said, Brother Ken, I hear you're in the state. I said, yeah. He said, where are you preaching tonight? I said, well, I didn't schedule anything. And, uh, uh, you know, I'm starting Thursday. It's a big men's retreat with five or six hundred men. And, and, you know, I... I, I didn't book anything on Wednesday night because Brother Tim, you know, you know, I'm, I'm kind of a big deal, you know. I don't do just Wednesday nights, and you know, I do big things. And Brother Danny goes, well, we'd love for you to come preach at my church tonight. 
I said, well, it's 55 miles down there. So on the way back, it's a 110 mile round trip to go down to a Wednesday night prayer meeting. And I knew what it was going to be. It'd be 25 old people and we'd have an organ recital. We'd try to see how many body parts we could name in 20 minutes. Kidney, liver, heart. <laughs> and I didn't want to go. Because I'm a big deal. I don't preach to 25 old elderly people. Oh, Brother Kent, we'd love for you to come. So I said, okay, I'll come. Walked in the lobby of the church and stood at the back door and looked in the auditorium. There wasn't a soul in that auditorium. I thought, well, that's right. Nobody here. And all of a sudden, Brother Lamb's head popped up on the front pew. He was down on his knees praying. Brother Kent, come pray with me. So I started walking down the aisle. The reason I couldn't see anybody, everybody was in the pews on their knees praying. And when we finished that prayer meeting, he said, Brother Kent, we've been on the phone inviting everybody. We're going to bring all the kids in here tonight. We're bringing the teens in. Everybody is coming out tonight to hear you preach. And all of a sudden, the bottom floor began to fill up. They have a big balcony. The balcony started filling up. That building was packed. And I had this little sugar stick message that I was going to preach to 25 old elderly people. And the Lord said, that ain't going to do it, buddy. You better get something else. And so, man, I pulled out a different message and I got in that pulpit. And to that crowd of almost 900, I preached Jesus Christ. And I'll tell you, Brother Tim, when they came to the altar, they were six deep in the altar from wall to wall. And that night, 22 people came to know Christ. And I got in my car to go back. And I had to say, Lord, I'm sorry. Because I thought there'd be nothing. But you had a plan. And it's not my job to evaluate. It's my job to scatter the seed. Stop worrying about what's going to happen if you witness to someone. Just do it. And let God take that seed. And then there's a third thing Satan loves to use. And it's called procrastination. Procrastination means to just keep putting it off. God has impressed on your heart somebody. But you haven't witnessed to them. Some of you got a next door neighbor. And you know you've thought about it for a long time. But you've never walked down there. And told them about Jesus. And you put it off. And you get busy. And I believe multitudes of people are in hell today. Because people were procrastinators. In sharing the gospel. Brother Tim, I don't know if you've ever had to experience that. I have. I pastored a church in Kalamazoo, Michigan. 40 years ago. I was bivocational, which means I worked a job and pastored a church too. I planted that church. I was a church planner. I not only worked one job, I had two or three jobs 
trying to make enough money for these, for Julie and the kids. Then pastor the church. Lady in the church said, Brother Kent, my brother's in the hospital. And I don't think he's saved. Do you think you'd go up to Borges Hospital and see him? And I said, yeah, I'd be happy to. Well, I was working three jobs, and I'm not trying to make an excuse, but I was very busy. And I let two days go by, and I went up to the hospital, and I walked into that room, and the room was all cleaned up. And I thought, well, he must have got released, or they moved him to another room. And I went out to the nurse's station, and I said, I'm here to see so-and-so. She said, are you family? I said, I'm the pastor of his sister. And she said, well, he terminated this morning. I'm going to tell you, Brother Tim, that's a lonely walk back to that car. It's a lonely walk to walk back there and know, why didn't I come yesterday? Why didn't I come two days ago? I procrastinated. I hope and pray someone talked to him about Jesus. But I put it off. And some of you right now are putting off witnessing to your family and friends. And that's exactly what Satan wants you to do. He wants to take that seed out of your hand. And then fourthly, there's a last word. Satan loves to use contamination. You see, sin can totally destroy your testimony. And when Satan gets you into sin, and you get backslidden, and you get away from God, Satan will take that bag of seed right out of your hand. Oh, wouldn't it be horrible to witness to someone and then they tell you, you're a good one to tell me I need to be saved the way you're living. Brother Tim and me both, I probably if we sat down and talked, we know many great preachers. I know one preacher, he was a prince of a preacher. Like he pastored a church that ran probably over 5,000 people. He was a wonderful preacher. But he got involved in sin. And he lost his church. And he moved up to Grand Rapids, Michigan. And he began to sell real estate and insurance. But he was so miserable. He had a good wife. And he had good kids. Some of them are still in the ministry today. And one rainy afternoon, he walked out in a cemetery and he took a gun and he put it to his head and he took his life. His seed got contaminated. And he couldn't live with himself. Oh, tonight, you cannot be a sower of the seed if your life's not right. 
You got to be clean. You got to be pure. And the good news is, if you do sin, God forgives sinners. Amen. Confess it. Forsake it. Pick up your bag of seed and go sow it. You see, Satan wants to take the seed right out of your hand. And those are the things he uses. But as most preachers, I got one more word. Mm -hmm. And it's the word germination. Do you realize that when you sow seed, it doesn't spring right up? Me and Julie, we first got married, we wanted to have a garden. So we went back and we dug up a patch and... I'll never forget, we, we planted radishes. And every morning we went out there. <laughs> you ever planted radishes? Nothing. And then all of a sudden, after several days, we were in Michigan, it was cold. A little hair came up. And those radishes came up. Let me tell you something. Sometimes you're going to sow seed and you're going to think, well, it didn't work. It didn't take. They didn't get saved. And you'll never know till we get to heaven whether that seed germinated. Sometimes it takes time. And sometimes we will not even know till we get to heaven. I was at Baptist Bible College for graduation a few years ago. And the crowd was thick. And as soon as uh, we went to the graduation and they called up a beautiful girl. Oh, she was. I don't think I'd ever heard an introduction as glowing as the dean of women gave her. Oh, she's a wonderful Christian girl. She's an RA in the dorms and all the girls love her. She's a spiritual giant. She's marrying a preacher and they're going to go start a church. I expected her to float down from a cloud. <laughs> and she was the class speaker. And oh, she stood before that congregation there at BBC and she gave a wonderful class speech to all the preachers and visitors. I thought, what a beautiful girl. What a great Christian young lady. Well, as soon as the service was over, I see a man and he comes right up and goes, Brother Kid, how are you? Oh, Brother Kid, how are you doing? I'm like, fine. I have no clue who this man is. <laughs> He said, I wish my wife, my wife's over here. She'd love to see you. And I said, well, maybe I'll see her. And I, I really needed to go to the bathroom. So um, I went to the men's room. And when I come out, there he was again. Brother kid, come over here. My wife's here. She wants to meet you. I do not even know who this guy is. So I went over and, well, hi, how you doing? I shook his wife's hand. And all of a sudden I noticed standing between this man and woman was that beautiful class speaker. And they were grinning from ear to ear. And I'm like, is, is this your daughter? And they're like, yeah, <laughs> this is our daughter. And then that man looked at me and said, Brother Kent, do you remember the extra night of revival? I said, what are you talking about? He goes, Trinity Baptist Church in Finley, Ohio. 
David Schaefer was our pastor, and when the revival ended on Wednesday night, he looked down at you and said, Brother Kent, would you come back one more night? And when a preacher puts you on the spot, it's kind of hard to go, no, can't do it. <laughs> I go, well, sure. I remember I went home with Julie that night and I said, I don't know why he did that. There's nobody going to be here tomorrow night. They had the whole thing scheduled. All of a sudden he's like, we're going to do one more night. We're going to have a protracted meeting. Well, I got there Thursday night. The building was packed. <coughs> Seven people walked to the altar and got saved. And one of them was that beautiful girl. She was 13 years old at that time. And now she's graduating from college. You know, I would have not even known that till I got to heaven. But I got a little glimpse of it because I ran into his da her daddy. And you know, sometimes you're out there and you're sharing the gospel and you're sowing the seed. And not until we get to heaven are we going to know how that seed spread. How a chain reaction went down through families and many people got saved. But you see, Satan's greatest fear is that some of that seed will fall on good ground. And they will believe. And be saved. Victory Baptist Church. Are you sowing the seed? Or are you just coming to church. And listening to preaching and singing. You need to go out of this building tonight. And tomorrow. Get your bag of seed. And sow it at school. Sow it at work. Sow it on your street. Sow it down at the grocery store. Sow it at the restaurant. Because some of it will find good soil and they'll be saved. We've got one last bit of business tonight. We're having a little campaign around here and it's called Let's Get Ready to Rumble. And we're going to rumble. We got two teams here tonight that are going to rumble. But before we rumble, I'm going to need two impartial counters. And that means if you're a team leader, you cannot be a counter this week. But uh, do we have anybody that would like to be a counter for me that I'll can count? count Sandra Joe. No, no, no. Yeah. <laughs> Never use the pastor as a counter because people will hate you. Uh -huh. For then when they lose. All right, who do we got? Let's see. I need. How about this young man over here with a beard? Uh, are you a team leader? Casey, are you a team leader? Well, come on up and be a counter for me. Give Casey a big hand. You're going to be on this side, Casey, right here. And then let's see. The young lady over here. Are you a team leader? What's your name? Emily. Emily. Come on, Emily. Be a counter. Give Emily a big hand. <laughs> Emily, you're over here on this side. She 
Yeah. Well, that don't matter. Okay. She's not a team leader. You're honest. You're not a team leader. Now, now, the rule was you can't be a team leader. And so, did you say Erica? Yeah. All right. You're Erica? You're Emily. I'm right. not sure now. Emily. And what was it over here? KC. All right. KC and Emily are my Vanna Whites tonight. Give them a big hand. Now, Emily, you're only counting these two sections on the right. Don't cross the aisle, okay? KC, you're counting the left two sections. The people in the sound booth, don't forget them. And then the platform. Who's up here? Just me and Sandy? Yeah. Oh, you going to move down? Okay. Just me. Don't forget me. Me. <laughs> Sound booth and me and those two sections. Don't cross over. All right. Our first two teams to rumble on Monday night is Sandy and Erica. If... If you promise to stand up for Sandy and Erica, stand up tonight. Stand up. Now, Casey and Emily, count everyone standing one point apiece. You can go down the aisle. In fact, go down the aisle so you can see. If you're extremely short, hold your hand up so they'll know that you are standing Hold your hand up if there if you're standing one point apiece. One point apiece. Emily, what do you got on the right? Nineteen. Nineteen. KC on the left? Seventeen. Seventeen. And two in the Sandy. <laughs> Holy cow. <laughs> I only have one job. Let me do it. Now you know. Do. Do any of you standing have a child or a wife or someone that is not in the building right now in the nursery or in the bathroom hold up one finger for anyone that's in the back. One finger for anyone that's in the back. All right, Emily, what kind of fingers you got over there? Anything? Uh, no. All right. KC? Zero. Zero. Okay. Who? One. One? One? Now, Sandy, you said you had two. Who's the other one? I had a guest who didn't stand, and it's okay. Okay, but you do have one in the nursery. We do. Other than that one. So two. All right. We'll add those two. Now, if you are a member of Victory Baptist Church, not an attender, but a member, you've joined this church, be seated. Members, be seated. Now, Emily and KC, count everybody standing in multiples of five. Don't make me do the math. Five, 10, 15, 20. All right. Got it, KC? Multiples of five. Each person counts five points. And you have to 
So much help. <laughs> KC, what do you got? Ten? Yep. Only two? All right. That's ten. How many you got, Emily? Uh, Forty-five. Forty-five. <laughs> Do any of you have a child or a spouse that's not a member? And keep in mind, children are usually not members. Hold up a finger for each one that's in the back. Hold up a finger if they're in the back and they're not a member of the church. What do you got, Emily? Yeah. What do you got over here, Casey? What do you got over here, Casey? I don't know. Zero? Is there fingers up? No. Okay. okay, well then that's zero. All right. Thank you, and let's give Sandy and Erica a big hand. You can be seated. Tonight they're rumbling against Paul and Tammy. If, if you said you would stand for Paul and Tammy, stand up tonight. KC, I'm standing for them too. So count everybody standing one point apiece. Go down the aisle so you don't miss anybody. One point apiece. One point apiece. What do you got, Emily? 23. What do you got, KC? 33. Do any of you have a child or a spouse in the back? That is uh, standing for uh, Paul and Tammy. Hold up one finger for anyone in the back that's standing up for them. Emily, what do you got? KC? Three. Three more. All right. If you're a member of Victory Baptist Church, be seated, members. Thank you. Now count these in multiples of five. And KC, I'm not a member. I'm still standing, so count me. Multiples of five, five, ten, fifteen, twenty. What do you got, Emily? Oh, hold on. Okay. Sorry. Do you need to take your shoes off? Okay, no. <laughs> what do you got, Casey? Fifty. Fifty. What do you got, Emily? Thirty. Do any of you have a child or a spouse that's maybe out of the building right now? In the back, hold up one finger for each one that's in the back. One finger for those that are non-members. What do you got, Emily? What do you got, KC? Two. Two's not a multiple of five, KC. I'm a Marine, so. Huh? I'm a so you're saying, thank you. All right. All right. Uh, uh, give Paul and Tammy a big hand. Give KC and Emily a big hand. Thank you, guys. Thank you. All right, give me just a minute to add up Paul and Tammy's score. You can talk among yourselves. I'll give you the subject, grape nut, neither a grape or a nut. Discuss that if you would. All right. We had a great rumble tonight. Sandy and Erica did a beautiful job. They came in tonight with 92 points. Good job. Good job. But 
Paul and Tammy were too hot to handle tonight. They came in with 149 points! That means Paul and Tammy are Monday night winners and they're also the leaders in the grand prize. The score to beat tomorrow night would be 149 points and let's meet our team leaders, John and Hannah! There's John right there! Stay up! They're going to rumble against Kurt and Rachel! Now we're going to ask the question, who would say nobody has asked me to stand for Tuesday night? Hold up your hand right now. Nobody has asked me to stand for Tuesday night. Soon as we say amen, these people are open game. Do you see where they're at? All right, they'll be ripping you people's arms off. All right. All right, just give these two teams a hand. They'll be tomorrow night. All right, Pastor, come take this pulpit. All right. Oh, man. He brought with him a stick of cheese just in case he went long. Oh, that's my cheese left over. Yes, yes. <laughs> Thank you, Paul. So when the guy running the program is bribed by a piece of cheese, it calls into question everything, doesn't it? Wow. All right. Okay. Thank you so much for coming out tonight. It's a lot of fun. But at the same time, while we have a lot of fun, it is the time to really search and seek spiritual truth. So thank you for coming out. Go tonight with a new vision, a new burden on your heart to sow the seed of the gospel. Amen. The world we live in needs to hear, don't they? Amen. Amen. Let's have a word of prayer. Bring them back tomorrow. Reach out. Let's fill the house of God. Amen. Let's have a word of prayer. Lord, I pray that you be with us as we're dismissed. Give us safety as we go to our homes. And Lord, help us to remember that by five o'clock tomorrow evening, we need to reach out to somebody and invite them to services for tomorrow night. We thank you for the way you bless and provide. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.